0: Welcome to Intelligence Talks from the research team at Knight Frank. Intelligence Talks brings you the latest insights on property market trends and forecasts, along with expert analysis from industry leaders. I'm Anna Ward, Senior Residential Analyst at Knight Frank. So, today we'll be discussing some of the biggest regeneration opportunities in East and West London, from Deptford to Brentford, exploring how development has been impacted by COVID and what the outlook is longer term. I'm joined today by Steve Curran, Leader of Hounslow Council and Cabinet Member for Corporate Strategy, Planning and Regeneration. And from Knight Frank, we have James Barton, Partner in the City and East Residential Development Team, and Oliver Knight, Residential Research Partner. So just to begin with, we'll be looking at the data and the stats for Q2 essentially show us about the market currently. Oliver, would you be able to provide just a bit of insight on those numbers?
1: Thanks, Anna. Yes, definitely still a very interesting time for the market. I think if you'd asked me what was going on two or three months ago, right at the start of lockdown, I'd be giving you a quite a different answer now. But as more data and more information starts to trickle through, what it's actually telling us is that actually Q2, so the three months between April and, and June, could really be characterised by subdued levels of activity in, in the London development market, but not, importantly, no activity at, at all. Just to briefly run through some of the London numbers, in terms of new housing starts but 3,260 new starts took place across the capital in the second quarter, fairly evenly spread between inner and and outer London boroughs. But that figure, about 33% below the average quarterly number of new starts that we're seeing in, in 2019 and the lowest quarterly number that we have seen since 2012. So those site shutdowns and this kind of gradual phased reopening that we've seen over the last two months or so, clearly having an impact on the ability of house builders to just get back on site and it's a similar story with regard to completions new homes delivery that fell about 46 percent so nearly halved to just over 3,000 new homes completed in London over the course of the quarter. Now both of those numbers so, so new starts and completions taken together would suggest that despite the fact that we're now seeing construction really progressing again we are probably going to see a a kind of a not insignificant drop in in housing supply in London across 2020 as a whole, and potentially we may see a hangover into next year as well.
0: Thanks, Ollie. James, if we look more specifically at East London, what are you hearing on the ground at the moment, and what are buyers and sellers telling you about their priorities currently?
2: Well, sentiment still is relatively positive, both from sort of a development angle and from sort of an end purchaser level. People are obviously quite cautious still, at the moment but I think from an East London perspective over the last 12 weeks we've seen people still willing to invest and secure sites for construction with really sort of one eye on the short to medium term future. I think that East London has historically been that sort of part of London where you can invoke parts of regeneration and gentrification of areas and as a result East London has become probably more seen as a relatively affordable part of the market and therefore remains attractive to developers and buyers, especially through obviously the schemes that are currently in place, like government initiatives like help to buy. I think, you know, over the past three months we've seen that land buyers are still, as Ollie said, are still certainly active. And whilst demand is still there, it is tempered slightly in terms of what could happen. And I think that people are judging certainty now in quarters rather than rather than years. So I think in the main developers are cautiously still in the market and are looking for sites that can provide a good level of development. But at the same time, as well as being cautious now, they do have one eye on that shortfall of delivery over the next potentially 12 to 24 months. And alternatively, other developers have seen this as a real opportunity to get into the market. So I think on the whole, the sentiment remains positive. There is a slight element of cautiousness, but there's still certainly a market out there.
0: Thanks, James. Ollie, any perspective from you there just on how active the market is and what the biggest of deals out there are?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I, I echo what James has said. I think caution is probably the word to use in terms of what's been going on from a development perspective over the last quarter, I mean, if we look at transactional activity on the land side, it has been pretty limited. And those deals which have gone ahead are generally doing so with payment terms in place or, or clauses inserted into contracts and and everything is taking perhaps slightly longer than it would have done pre-COVID but I think it's probably also worth noting that, that one of the big issues that we've seen in the London development market in particular over the last couple of years is, has been a real lack of supply of good quality new sites being brought to market and actually everything that's happened over the last three or four months or so is, has only really exacerbated that situation there is still quite a lot of interest I mean it's strongest probably for those kind of strategic or, or conditional land sites ones which have an income producing element as well and we probably expect that to continue to be the case for the remainder of the year.
0: Thanks, Ali. Steve, I think this is a good place to bring you in, just in terms of whether you'd say what you're progressing development-wise in West London. So sort of reflects what James and Ollie are saying about there is still activity going on out there and regeneration is still happening. What would you say about the sort of key projects going on at the moment in Hounslow?
3: Yeah, I would agree with the other two speakers regarding the slowdown. So the first two months really stopped everything. But for the last month, there is progress. Our main sites are up and running. So the Barrett site is up and running again, although with dramatically reduced numbers of staff on site. The Ballymore scheme in Brentford, the Barrett scheme is in Hounslow. These are all progressing again. And our own, we've got a building programme of about 1,000 units. We're about halfway there, just under two years to go. So we think we're putting into our plans a three-month delay. completions as far as we're concerned and there has been that general slowdown the other thing that we i think have to remember and we sometimes forget as we're caught in the headlights on covid 19 is brexit and we're very cautious about the effects that might have on development as well in certainly in hounslow and in west london so brexit is just hanging over us as well if you overlay that with covid has already been said, I think it's a very difficult time. People have been quite rightly very cautious, but there's still lots of opportunity for development, certainly in Hounslow with the Golden Mile, with the Feltham Town Centre, another 9,000 units planned within the local plan there. So there's a lot to fight for and a lot to get cracking on with. But uh, I think people are being cautious and I worry about Brexit and the effect that may have on top of covid is a difficult balancing act i think yeah. for
2: developers at the moment
0: yeah james do your um, contacts have echo those concerns around brexit or is, is that not the major priority currently
2: no I actually, I actually agree with steve i think covid has obviously kind of taken the forefront of people's minds but i i absolutely agree i think that kind of brexit may have been slightly forgotten about in the background and i think that i can sort of only hope that maybe the government is sort of having these ongoing conversations as we know they are and they're actually kind of producing some ways forward and maybe they're not just being reported on as eagerly as they what they would have been without COVID. I think that actually some of the house builders and regional developers sort of learned to live with Brexit potentially over the last 24 to 30 months and and whilst it brought a level of uncertainty kind of coming in maybe sort of 9-12 months ago the one point of clarity we had was obviously with the sort of December election but obviously then no more than sort of two months later we were faced with covid which was something that no one's experienced before and, and effectively the whole global industry was put into the same boat i think the one thing we said and just to highlight a point that kind of steve picked up on is that in terms of construction sites is that yeah absolutely you know social distancing is, is going to have a quite an impact on that and and as steve said people are now factoring time lags into that and it's really around sort of internal fit outs as well of these buildings you know having the trades normally you kind of go into a flat, and you've three or four different trades in there working at the same time and that's just not physically possible at the moment but I think the one thing that really is keeping the market going sentiment going is this and Olly alluded to it was this this lack of products before we had a distinct lack of supply of good quality housing development land coming forward and I think that's what kept land prices remaining relatively robust now this COVID crisis already would have resulted in that restriction perhaps being more so. So I think that's why the market is still there because actually, when these sites are coming out for people to look at, they sort of see it as the one opportunity they've got to acquire a, a good site.
0: Steve, just given, as you mentioned, there are various challenges, and James obviously mentioned some of the sort of social distancing requirements and things on housing developments. Could you tell us a bit about where Hounslow currently stands in terms of housing targets and whether you think? That the borough is still on track for those given the current market?
3: Well as I've already said I think we're putting in a three-month delay because of Covid and some sites carried on but very limited construction others stopped completely but all of our sites the, the major ones are back up and running. The other factor for me is that we're really badly hit by Heathrow and the construction in the airline industry so we've got in Felton-Heston, which is the uh, consistency and the other half of the borough, the highest number of furloughed staff in any borough in London. So we're also very concerned now about how we factor in the economic downturn because of Heathrow, and that's a real concern to us. And how we encourage developers to feel confident about coming to Hounslow and West London, because we do need to build our way out of COVID And take care of uh, Brexit as it happens but we do need to get people re-skilled I think and to take up the slack where the airline industry has collapsed so huge problems I think in West London particularly for Hounslow, Hillingdon and Ealing. and then it's like a pebble in the pond it it ripples out so I think we've got something in the region of around 42,000 residents in the borough have some working relationship with Heathrow, that's either directly or indirectly in the supply chain. So that could have a massive impact on house prices and the ability of people to buy, and it leads to uncertainty. So we're, we've set up our Economic Recovery Board and we've had our first couple of meetings, and we've got uh, Barrett and Barclay Group sitting on there to give us some external advice and support around what we're doing to reskill residents in the borough and to attract different types of industries into the borough. because. We need green jobs. So the green agenda is really loud and clear for us now. We've declared our climate emergency earlier in the year, but obtaining green jobs and new innovative ways of greeting our economy in Hounslow is really important to us.
0: James, on your side, what would you say are kind of some long-term priorities? as Steve mentioned there's clearly a lot of thinking to do long-term in terms of how areas like Hounslow can attract more developers and so on but what would you say is the current state of players in your market and how can East London remain I guess a magnet for investment going forward?
2: East London has always been seen as sort of the area in which there was the opportunity for large-scale redevelopment and regeneration projects and I think that there is still many opportunities like that across the East London boroughs and South East London boroughs and I think that the one thing that really does need to happen now is i wouldn't say a reformation but a, a certainly a, a more streamlined planning process and i think that you know there's there's so many layers to the planning process as, as a safety check which is quite rightly to make sure that the right form of development comes forward but i think now in order to kind of as steve mentioned the sort of the ripple effect is that you know land acquisition by developers and house builders creates a ripple effect it creates a ripple effect in terms of the economy for jobs for construction for trade and for people getting back into work. And then that has a a knock-on effect then for people looking to buy those end units. So I think getting those regeneration or or any large-scale development projects to keep them coming forward rather than to be mothballed in any way is a real key factor. And I think the other thing as well is is that there's been a lot said about the retail sector and how that's shifting and and fundamentally changing now. And I think that whilst shopping centres, retail parks... They need to stay, and they need to stay in some format. It might not be the format and the way that we know retail parks are at the moment, but I think there needs to be an intensification of land uses. Kind of a word that I kind of keep coming up with, and and I keep hearing is optionality, and that's to have different options available to these retail parks, shopping centres, and other commercial uses as well, so that you can have, in effect, a land use that allows residential and commercial units to cohabit peacefully and in perpetuity as well.
0: Steve, is that something that you're looking at closely in Hounslow? Given the numerous empty retail units, I'm sure that number will only continue to increase. Is that something that the borough is looking at doing in terms of meeting housing targets as well?
3: Yeah, so it's a problem that we're looking at. We're working with uh, the West London Alliance and the mayor and government about how do we save our high streets with what we got at the moment and they were in a poor state anyway. And people's shopping habits, hopefully they're looking to shop more locally now and don't want to travel into central London. So that's a great benefit for us. But it's what is the offer for local people and communities? So that's a, something we need to be talking to the industry about and landlords about. What is the offer that people want going forward? I think the other problem is around certainty of jobs. So If I was a developer, I'd be looking at the stats around employment the opportunities for employment in Hounsdale and West London because of the airport. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't work together and put together good schemes for the future because we will come out of this and we have to be ready. So, again, getting back to those green jobs, the green economy, I think is something for the future. The high streets is a very difficult one to crack with the current arrangements around business rates, high rents from charged by landlords. I think that's all got to change. And there's been, as we know, there's been three major reports into how do we save or change the high streets in the last 10 years. None of them have come to fruition because we've still got that core problem around business rates and rents. So there are opportunities. You know, We've seen a lot of councils have got their fingers burnt by buying quite extravagantly over the last five to 10 years. This council of hasn't done that. It's been very prudent. So we're not stuck with some overpriced and undervalued shopping centres. So that's relief, but uh, our shopping centres are under a lot of pressure and we've got to work together to try and ensure the market's right for developers. And what we don't want to lose are high streets to permitted development and substandard housing being put in. That's not acceptable either.
0: James and Ollie, any thoughts around the future and how, while COVID might have accelerated issues such as, you know, the challenges on the high street, do you think that it could also lead to other opportunities? James, you touched on, you know, repurposing retail units, for example. Could there be other opportunities perhaps for sort of more modular housing, perhaps a more streamlined planning system? Any thoughts on that?
1: I mean, I think what we've seen increasingly over the last few years is a better tenure mix on larger sites as well. And uh, I mean, Steve, you've talked a lot about building the right homes for Hounslow. And and I just wonder what your thoughts are in terms of a more diverse tenure mix on some of those large sites and what the council's approach has has been to that. So, you know, build to rent student and retirement housing, as well as build to sales stock.
3: Yeah, if I could come in there. So I think we've taken a very pragmatic approach to tenure mix. And I think you have to do that. But what we're not keen on about is poor quality, poor design, overpriced housing. It needs to tick all, all of the right boxes around space, around quality, around being sustainable, environmentally friendly, that if it ticks all those boxes, I think having a, a balance in your tenure mix is really important and it makes it attractive to developers and it's certainly attractive to us as a council. So having that mix in there is really important and I would like that to continue. I mean, what we're just about to go to planning and we're going to be building, hopefully if it's approved our first five eco houses just as a pilot to see what the costs are like. So we're very keen that developers think about the carbon standing of their properties and their development. So that's something that we're very interested in. So I think having that right balance around tenure mix is important and for the community, I think it works as well. So as I say, poor standard units, which don't meet space standards or just about meets space standards are not environmentally friendly and don't enhance the community, please don't come to house hours, say. (laughs) Go somewhere else.
2: Yeah, I think that, as they said, it's absolutely right to kind of get that green element in as well. I think in terms of sort of tenure mix, there's other opportunities to look at. You know, there's been widespread debate over the past kind of three or four years now about is the UK just solely fixed on buying units for sale and, and are we starting to now having to look at what in the States they call, you know, multi-family purpose units and build to rent units. And I think that's one thing that will potentially come out of this is the option to sort of diversify the offering. I mentioned sort of a kind of planning reform or a streamlining process. I think that is equally important. I still think that it does take too long for applications to be decided on. I don't think they should be rushed through at all, but I think that actually in the light of where we are, we've had a shortfall of delivery of new build units both in London and across the UK now for such a long extended period of time that I do think that the planning system needs to contribute to reforming that and the planning system can be a great key to unlock some of the stalemate that we have especially for as I say for large-scale regeneration projects which are absolutely key to get to acting as a catalyst to get both local communities and wider communities together.
0: Steve, would you say that's fair on the planning system? Do you think it's the long overdue reform, and it's obviously come under fire quite a lot this year, but what would your view be on that?
2: I think
3: I would disagree slightly. I'd be interested to look at the stats around the delay in house building as a result of planning decisions. I don't think they're there. I think it's a bit of a myth. Most councils want, and not all, and I accept that, but certainly in West London, most councils, you know, if they're a Labour council, that they want to build. 'Cause they get social housing out of those developments as well. So that's really important to us. But I think we have to be tread very carefully with wholesale reforms of the planning legislation. I think permitted development is not good for communities. It's certainly not good for Hounslow. So we miss out on ensuring that it's the right fit for us in our community. We miss out on the sill, and it has led to, as far as I'm concerned, some people obviously disagree, to substandard housing being built. And in the wrong place. You know, We've got stuff being built on the A4, one of the busiest roads into London. And it's office space. That's what it's built for. That's what the environment is geared to. It's not geared to housing. So I think that we tread very carefully with major reforms of the planning legislation, as it is at the moment. I'm not saying we shouldn't speed things up. And we should, because of the COVID and Brexit, but we shouldn't chuck the baby out with the bathwater.
0: James, what about you? Steve's obviously responded to your criticism of planning, but what would you say in terms of what you think needs to be improved specifically?
2: I agree with Steve to a certain extent, and I think that there needs to be an efficiency, is probably the correct word in terms of the planning system, especially for, for larger developments. I think nobody wants to see a reckless planning system where everything is given approval. But I think that the one thing that the market has always required from house builders to regional developers, to housing associations, even to smaller developers, is that the market needs to have an essence of security. That if they are policy compliant and they are following the guidelines, then they should be able to be able to have safe in the knowledge that they can bank a consent. I think that there's been various examples that i've been involved over the last probably going back 10 years where we've had a large scale scheme in South East london of about three and a half thousand units and only after seven and a half years they've just secured an outline for the majority of the site and a detailed phase one consent and for another scheme of just over 100 units in a another east london borough we were deferred multiple times on the basis that the councillors didn't quite know the area and wanted a little bit more of a closer look at the site physically i think that that Given the the time, the cost and the effort that goes into submitting a planning application, to have wholesale delays like that can be a real bottleneck in the whole, not just housing sector, but in the economy as a whole.
0: Anything else from you on that point, Steve?
3: Yeah. So if you use Houser as an example, so when we got re-elected in 2018, we got elected on a ticket of 5,000 new homes and 1,000 council homes. So clearly we made it abundantly clear to our voters or the people that voted us that we were going to build homes. So that's the political imperative. So I think it's really important that councils are very clear politically about what they want to do around development. And, and we've done that. And so we've got some big developments. have already started in Hounslow and more in the pipeline. So without that political enthusiasm and that commitment over the longer term, it can be daunting for developers. And I do accept there are huge costs if planning applications don't come to the table and if they do, they refuse. So I accept that. But the environment's got to be right. So if there's a political will to develop, I think certainly in Hounslow, developers do develop. We've got a track record on delivery. So that will continue. The other thing to remember is the government needs to look at itself as well because we've got a scheme in Brentford that has been sitting on the minister's desk for some time. That's about 400 units. Now he could sign that off now. But he's been under a bit of pressure, isn't he, Jenrick, about signing off planning decisions. So we'll have to wait and see. So, you know, the government needs to look at itself around its statutory consultation process. That's what I would look at about who, from the statutory point of view, is allowed to have a view about planning applications and then build in delay. So that's an area I certainly would encourage the government to look at if it's reviewing the planning legislation, because that can put enormous delay on projects.
2: Quick question if I if I may. Do you think there could ever be a time where the planning process and applications and decisions can be depoliticised in any way?
3: Well, I don't see it as it's weird, isn't it? I don't see it as political. I know I said we put it on our manifesto to build these homes because you know we've got three thousand people on a housing waiting list. That's why we do it. But you know, once you get over that, if there's a good scheme, as you say it's policy compliant and it conforms with you know the London plan and the national plan. You know we should get on and do it so i think everyone needs to stop fiddling because rome is burning at the moment and we need to get on and not delay new development simply because we're reviewing the planning legislation let's get on and do development anyway but so i try not to politicise planning and it's not you know it's not a political decision when it goes to the planning committee but we have a very clear commitment to build homes
0: If you enjoyed this episode of Intelligence Talks, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please also make sure to share this episode on social media and check out the show notes for more information.